God bless you. Thank you for agreeing with me in prayer. I'm going to ask the staff to join me on the platform. They're going to, you can be seated. They're going to help me preach this morning. You know, the Bible is a book of hope. And if you're listening online, you know, I really hope that you get this today. As we begin this brand new series, the Bible is a book of hope. But of all of the hope, of all the things that were, you can be seated if you'd like. If, if of all the hope that is talked about in the Bible, there's only one that is called the blessed hope. There's only one hope that's called blessed, and it's what the church talked about and prayed about and looked forward to more than anything else in the Bible. As a matter of fact, we call this season Advent. Today is the first Sunday of Advent because Advent teaches us to look forward to the coming of Christ. In the early church, they celebrated the resurrection of Christ, but they also celebrated the coming of Christ. There are indications in the New Testament that many of them did not expect to die until Jesus would come again. That's how eagerly they were expecting. They had a prayer that was called Maranatha, just one word prayer, like we say hallelujah, or we say amen, or we say hosanna. We have these one word praises. Well, hallelujah meant simply, Lord, come quickly. When they said that one word, it was a blessed hope in their lives. When I was a young boy in grammar school in the fifth grade, I remember our fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Amoson. How many of you remember your fifth grade teacher? Can you call her name up? Yeah, that's a, that's a formative time of your life. And Mrs. Amoson was always encouraging us to read. And I was reading this book, this little mystery book, and it had so got me, I couldn't hardly stand it. And I wanted to go to the end of the book and read the last page. Any of you ever felt like doing that before? And I, I wanted to go to the end of the book and see how it ended because it was upsetting me. And Mrs. Amoson told me, she said, Denny, if you ever read the last page of the book, you're going to spoil the story. And so I continued reading through the book. And if you saw the movie with Billy Crystal in it, when Harry met Sally, he says, you know, I always read the last page of the book. So in case I die... I know how the story is going to end. And that's kind of a, a, a miserable and a dark way of looking at life. You know, in case I die, I've read the last page. But this morning, brothers and sisters, we have read the last page. Jesus Christ returns and we win, we win, we win. Can we give him another hand of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, the Bible says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Say that with me. Eager to do what is good. You know that you've met a passionate follower of Christ when they're eager to do what is good. You know that you've met a passionate follower of Christ when the return of Jesus is their blessed hope, the hope that they're looking for more than anything else in this world. Billy Graham's family said, if you watched his funeral, Billy Graham's family talked about how in his last days, he would often just sit quietly 
He would talk a little, but he would just sit quietly, and he would look out the window at the mountains. But he talked about seeing the Lord, and he talked about seeing Ruth, his wife. He would talk sometimes about the people that had crossed the line and had churches disciple them and had churches and pastors reached out to them. As I listened to those stories, and then I would follow up and read interviews with them, I found myself reminded of a book that I read in Colorado years ago that Billy Graham wrote about the return of Jesus and talking about this blessed hope that you and I have. When Kim and I were just young, we had been left at my grandparents for a while, and my grandfather was a good man, but my grandfather could not really deal with the disabilities that I had. My grandmother was just like my mom and my dad. She would just deal with it wonderfully, and she would help me. And, but my grandfather just could not be around me when some of the symptoms would manifest with that. And I remember looking down the road because although I loved my grandmother, I missed that attention that my father would give me. I missed that attention and that love and that encouragement that he would give me, telling me, fellow, you can do this. Fellow, you can make it. Fellow, we're going to get through this. And there was something different about my grandmother and my mother's encouragement and my dad's encouragement. My dad was more like, you're going to do it. You're going to be something. You're going to make something. My mother's encouragement and my grandmother's encouragement was more about, it's okay, it's okay. We're going to take care of you. And I didn't want to be taken care of. I wanted to do things. I, I saw my cousins working on the farm. I saw my uncles working. And I, I wanted to be a part. And I can still remember, and I see it just as clear as I see you in the sanctuary this morning. I can still remember when that 1961 Ford came down the highway and I could see my parents coming and they pulled into that long driveway and my father jumped out of that car and as he always did, he snatched his sunglasses off, put them right here, held out his hand and said, fella, come here and reached out and grabbed me to himself. Friends, I want you to know Jesus is more eager to see you in heaven than you and I are for him to return again. And so this morning, as we begin Advent season, I want you to remember how the early church celebrated Maranatha come quickly. But I also want you to remember why Jesus came in the first place, and that's why Christmas is called the first Advent. It's because Christ came into this world to save us from our sins. And for some reason, the powerful, the well-to-do, most of them missed it. For some reason, the religious missed it. But the poor people, the people that were marginalized, the rulers that were humble, the priests that were humble, the members of the Sanhedrin that were humble, they were looking for the Messiah not to fulfill what they wanted, but they were looking for the Messiah to come and to redeem them from their sins. They knew something was wrong with this world. It's why Nicodemus would come at night, and though he struggled with his faith, we have every reason to believe that he gave his heart to Christ as, when, as an older man, and he lived for the Lord. This morning, we look for a Savior to come not to solve the politics of the world, not to solve any little problem that we want him to do, but to come and fulfill his good, his perfect, and his pleasing will for all the earth. Look at this next verse. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. How we thank God for you 
Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence night and day. We pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. May God our Father and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. And may he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father. Stop. Do you see what he's saying? He's praying that we would be eager to do good. He's praying that we would be eager to fulfill the will and the plan of God in light of this one fact, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen, amen, and amen. Can we give him another hand of praise this morning? Hallelujah. So in just a moment, the guys are going to come up, and Becky are going to come up, and they're going to join me, and they're going to help me. How we can be eager to do good? What can we do? But let's ask ourselves the question that needs to be asked. Why is Jesus coming back? Why is Jesus returning? Why, more surely than this building exists in this three-dimensional world, why is Jesus coming again? My earliest memories of the return of Jesus were not so glorious. You could go into my downtown, my hometown of Macon, and there were always people walking around with sandwich signs that says, repent, the end is near. There was a blind preacher that stood on the street and played his guitar with a tin cup, and he had a sign out front of him that said, the end is near. And you've probably seen those same kind of signs that when we talk about the coming of the Lord, we talk about it in this dark way, the way Billy Crystal said, in case I die, I've read the last page. But that's never the way Jesus wanted us to live with a fear of in case we die, but to live eager to do good till that moment he called us home. As a matter of fact, the word apocalypse, how many of you have heard that word? Can I see your hand? The word apocalypse is actually a very positive word, but the way we use apocalypse in our vocabulary today, it means something dark. It means something sinister. But the word apocalypse actually means, the, when we talk about Christ, it actually means the unveiling of Christ, of Christ's return. So when we talk about the apocalypse, we're not looking for a nuclear mushroom cloud. We're not looking for a, a tsunami that destroys the earth. Forty-nine 49 years and six months ago, I read the book, The Late Great Planet Earth. It was one of the most frightening books I ever read. I used to watch Hal Lindsey on videotapes as he talked about the nuclear way the world was going to be destroyed, he thought, in a nuclear storm and a holocaust. And if you remember in the 80s, for those of you that are old enough to remember, there was a series called America with it spelled K, where America had been defeated in a nuclear holocaust. The more I've studied the Bible since I read that book 49 and a half years ago, almost 50 years ago, 
The more I understand, friends, the second coming of Jesus for those that love him is not something to fear because Jesus is coming back to fix what is broken. Jesus is coming back to heal this planet. Jesus is coming back to restore and to renew. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Jesus is returning again, and when he does, we're going to see the unfolding of the good and the perfect and the pleasing will of God. Now, I want you to stop and think about that for just a moment. Because you see, when the Bible talks about the earth being renovated by fire, and I don't know if that's literal fire, because remember, when we went through Revelation, we talked about all the symbolism that's in Revelation. But I do know the new earth, the new heavens, that word for new means renovation. It's like if you find a really nice old home you like, but you go in there and you need to gut the drywall or the plaster. You need to take out some of the rotted rafters. You need to take out some of the rotted beams in the floor. You need to completely gut the house and start all over. We did that one time to a 3,200 square foot house. We gutted the whole house. Becky oversaw that and the floors were gone. Floor joists replaced, ceiling joists replaced, roof replaced, walls and carpets. And when it was finished and done, it was like a brand new home. And that word that Jesus uses is about a renovated earth. There's going to be a new heavens and there's going to be a new earth. God is going to heal the world of the corruption in government. God is going to heal the planet of all of the pollution. God is going to empty every grave of every righteous saint that has died. There is going to be no more sick babies. There's going to be no more dying. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more war. If you love that idea, you love the return of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you love the thought of no more crippled babies, if you love the thought of no more deformed children, if you love the thought of no more hunger, if you love the thought of no more disease, if you love the thought of no more war, if you love the thought of no more hungry people, if you love that thought, then you want Jesus Christ to return. Because when he returns, he will finish what he started at Calvary and when he rose from the grave. It's why the church in their suffering and their pain, they would always cry out, Maranatha, it's our blessed hope. Give him one more hand of praise this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. So just like as a child, you looked forward to Christmas. I want you this Christmas season this holiday season, this Advent, I want you looking forward more than ever to the blessed hope. Hope is here. Hope is here. Becky's going to come and she's going to talk to you this morning for just a little bit about how we can live with hope in this life. We associate a lot of wonderful words with Christmas. Words like joy, love, peace on earth, and hope. In the middle of a world that right now is filled with social unrest, pandemics, economic crisis, how in the world can we focus on hope through the middle of that? Well, hope comes through worship, and worship comes when we are in the presence of God. You see, from the very beginning of time, what God desired, what God wanted from us was to be with him, to be in his presence. The God who created this universe, who walked with man and earth, 
and woman that he created on this earth very much wanted us to be in relationship with him. But mankind, we broke that relationship by thinking that we could do this better. We could take our own ideas. We could be like God, and that relationship was broken. And in that moment of that broken relationship, the man and woman who God created in perfection had their first taste of despair. But God did not leave us in a place of despair and hopelessness. God did not leave us in a place where there was no joy, where there was no peace on earth. For you see, he already had a plan of restoration, a plan to open back and restore that relationship with him. What had was pushed off, what was separated, where God had walked in the quiet of the garden on a daily basis and been with man and woman. They fellowship together. That is what worship is, walking with God on a daily basis and being in fellowship and relationship with him. We've made worship a lot of things. We've made it singing the right song. We've made it having the right band, the right instrument, feeling real good about a moment of being in the presence of God. But worship is a lifestyle. And when God restored that relationship, of worship, that relationship of his embrace, that relationship of walking with him on a daily basis, hope was once again restored to this earth. We no longer have to deal with the absence of despair we no longer have to deal with the fact that we are, we're separated from God because through Jesus Christ, by him coming as a babe in a manger and then fulfilling his calling on the cross, we are able to once again have relationship with God. We are able once again to worship him. And out of a heart of worship comes action. There was a young man, 23 years old, fresh out of college, and he was on his first assignment to ghostwrite a book about a couple that had gone to Calcutta, India to work with uh, feeding children. We know that couple well because this church has supported them for a long time, Mark and Hulda Buntain. And as they told this young man their story, they said, there's someone that we want you to interview. And they took him to meet Mother Teresa. Well, he was enthralled with getting that kind of interview right out of college and fresh out on his, his journalism degree um, field. He was excited to get to meet Mother Teresa, but when he finished the interview, she looked at him and she said, young man, what are you doing to help the poor? What are you doing to help the needy? Well, he confidently spoke up and he said, well, you know, I've just finished college and I'm just getting started in my journalism degree and right now I'm not really focused on helping the needy. It was later that his own words came back to haunt him and he realized what he had said to Mother Teresa. His own accomplishments, his own giftings, that's what he was relying on. And what God had called him to was so much more. And it was in that moment that this young man fully dedicated his life to whatever calling God had for him, not for his own worth, not for his own money he could make or his climb to significance, but he committed himself to God 
whatever you want. And he began to learn that through worship and relationship with God, that he gave his life in a lifestyle of worship. This young man went on to form another ministry that we're very familiar with around here, and that's called Convoy of Hope, a ministry that has gone around the world to meet the needs of people in their moment of crisis. As we enter into this holiday season, as we learn what it is, again in our hearts, not just to sing the right psalm, because as the song says, he wants more from us than just a song. He wants more from that. He wants a heart of worship that opens up to him. And like Psalms 100 says, we sing to him, we call out to him, we come with joy, we come with gladness, and we enter into that embrace of worship and relationship with God our Father. I will pray with you in hope. There's a Facebook meme for a Christmas tip that parents should wrap up empty Christmas boxes and place them under the tree. And then every time a child misbehaves or doesn't listen, they should take one of the presents and just throw it right into the fire. And, you know, I don't know about you, but that's just plain evil, right? But if I was a child and my parent did that to me, I would have changed my behavior. I would have been a model of what a perfect child would be. Because I wouldn't want to lose any presents. I loved Christmas as a child. You know, there was no school. You got to sleep in and, of course, the presents. And I remember making the Christmas list, that all the toys and things that I wanted, and I'd give it to my mom, and my mom would go shopping, and as she purchased the presents, she would wrap them up and place them underneath the Christmas tree. And I remember every day just looking at the presents and just looking and wondering and, and wondering, trying to figure out what exactly that present was. And each day would come, and each day I would find myself just staring at them, and, and I couldn't wait to open up those presents. But it seemed like I had to wait forever for Christmas to come. See, each day I found myself more and more excited about Christmas. And just like waiting to open up those presents brought this anticipation in my life, as we pray for Jesus' return, our hope and prayer should increase our love for Jesus. See, our hope is that one day Jesus is coming back, and while we wait, we should be preparing ourselves for his return. Revelation 22:20 20 says, The one who has spoken these things says, I am coming soon. So, Lord Jesus, please come soon. Theologian Wayne Gruden said, To some degree, how much we desire Jesus to return is a measure of the spiritual condition in our own lives. You know, when I purchased Jeanette's engagement ring, I was so excited to propose to her, and I had this elaborate plan to propose, and the problem was I had to wait. I was finishing school down in Florida, and she was back here in Michigan, and as each day drew closer to that proposal, I became more and eager to propose. We wrote letters. We'd talk to each other on the phone. I would talk to my friends and family. I would pray. I would do everything I could imagine to make sure I was ready for this proposal. And as I waited, there were times where I would pull out that ring, and I would just look at it, and I would imagine what our lives were going to look like. 
with each conversation we had together, with every time I pulled that ring out and looked at it, I was more and more excited to propose, and it increased my desire to just fly home to Michigan and propose. When we pray, come soon, Jesus, it should increase our love for God as well. When we embrace the reality that that Jesus is coming back again, it should strengthen our faith and motivate us to give everything we have for the things that have eternal significance. See, Jesus' return is our hope. Spending eternity with him in heaven is our goal, but we need to make sure that we are praying for others to come to know Christ as well. 1 Thessalonians 3.10 says, Night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let, you see, let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. See, our prayer for Jesus' return should motivate us to pray for others to come to know Christ. Paul says those that have hope look forward to Christ's return by keeping themselves pure. And purity is not always abstaining from doing things that other people do. It's also a matter of helping people see how to live like Jesus. And so while we eagerly await and hope for his return, it should be motivating us to pray for what truly matters, God and others. You know, I'm going to be praying with you this Advent season, and I hope that you join with me in in prayer and join us for our Saturday night prayer services as we pray for people to be healed, but we also pray for those to come to know Christ as well. And we pray that God would move in people's lives. So join with me this Advent season and as, as we pray, come soon, Jesus. And as we pray, ask God, is my love for you increasing? You know, are you spending time reading the Bible and praying and finding yourself drawing closer to God? Do you find yourself praying for others and investing in others and putting your faith into action? Do you find that, that what you're doing is searching and praying and asking God to lead you to people to tell people about Jesus. See, what difference would it make in your life and in others if you would pray, come Lord Jesus soon. You know, we really do have an amazing future to look forward to. And as we pray together this season, let's pray, come soon Jesus. Pastor Mark is gonna come right now and he's gonna share another principle of hope in ministry. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 and 12, may God our Father and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. You know, one of my favorite things about Christmas is seeing family members that I haven't seen in a long time. Maybe you have people that that you see sort of at a reunion, particularly people who live far away. And Christmas sort of brings us together. Well, Paul was no different. And he planted a church in Thessalonica, and he prays, God, bring us together soon. And he wished that he could be with them very soon to go all the way from where he was all the way to Thessalonica, which was 358 miles away. Now, Google Maps says that 
uh, it would take seven, hour, seven days and five hours of nonstop walking to get there. That's like walking from here to Washington, D.C. That's almost 10 days with uh, six hours of sleep, or six days of sleep. But that's how much Paul eagerly wanted to be with these people. And the next verse, we read that Paul hopes for something else, not only to be with them, but he also hopes that they would have love for one another. And not just love for one another, but that their love would grow. And not only for themselves, but also for other people. And that that love would overflow. You know, the love we receive from God is not meant for us only. We're, we're not to be like a glass that has water filled in it and, and think, okay, I have enough. And that's enough for me, but not enough to share. God is abundant. He keeps on pouring and pouring and pouring till that glass overflows. A lot of us are standing in a puddle because we're not sharing that with other people. God keeps giving, but we're not giving back. It's like Pastor said last week when he talked about how the Dead Sea is dead and nothing grows because water flows in, but there's no outlets flowing out. Rather, we're to be like the Jordan River who receives its water from the Sea of Galilee but gives that life-giving water wherever it flows. God is, is exceedingly abundantly. He gives and gives and gives, and we ought to do the same thing. We ought to be like the Jordan River. Would the Jordan River just all of a sudden stop flowing? No, that's what rivers do. They flow, and that's how we're supposed to be. Would we say, God, I have enough. Don't, don't give me any more water because I don't want to share. So just, I got enough. That's good. And I'm just going to walk around with my water. No, he keeps giving because it's meant to give away. It's meant to share. The gospel message, the love that we have from God is not meant just for us. It's meant to overflow to other people. Now, Christmas is a time that we celebrate God giving his son and he sent his son so that all who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus says, give as freely as you have received. Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, now freely give. And God has equipped each and every one of us with gifts, talents to, to participate in some sort of ministry here in this church. I mean, maybe you're not one to be in front of people on this platform and on the worship team. Uh, maybe you're someone that likes to be more behind the scenes, like, like our great team that's in the sound booth that's helping to broadcast and to show the lyrics and the sermon notes on the screen. But whether you're in front of people or, or behind the scenes, Everyone can do something. God has equipped all of us to be able to serve. When, every, when everyone is ministering together, then every need is met. And that's why we love Jesus. It's why we look forward to his return. You know, as kids, we always eagerly awaited for our dad to come home from work. Now, we didn't know the exact moment, but we had a clue. And one time, he came home unexpectedly early, and he found us helping our mom set the table for dinner. Well, he was delighted to come home and see us doing something and serving and not just playing video games. Now, when Jesus returns, shouldn't we be about our father's business? Shouldn't he come and find us serving and not binging Netflix? I mean, he has given us every opportunity. He's overflowed his abundant grace, mercy, and love to us so that we can give to other people. When Jesus comes, 
may we be found serving. You know, at Woodland, we proclaim the word of God. At Christmas, Jesus, who is the word, became flesh and dwelt among us. He said of himself, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And aren't we to be like Jesus? That's our example. Not that we sit back and be served, but we ought to serve one another, just as Jesus did. And our ministry isn't even limited just to these four walls, but to overflow to all people, people outside of our church, people who need hope, people who need to receive the love of God expressed in ministry. I can remember as a child, my grandma saying to me, bring this pot of chicken soup across the street to my neighbor, Henrietta. She's sick with a cold. And naturally, I did that. Well, that was ministry. I mean, it wasn't theological, but that was ministry. It was service. And that's what ministry is. It's serving one another. You certainly don't have to look far to realize that people need hope. And as the song goes, a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. We'll recognize that each and every one of us, every one of us here, every one of us at home, all of us have freely received the love of God in our heart. That's the thrill of hope. That's the thrill of hope that this weary world needs now more than ever. And when you share that love, whether it's inviting someone to church bringing over a pot of chicken soup or helping someone find a place to sit as an usher, you are sharing hope in ministry. And as we wait in joyful hope for the return of Jesus, let us minister together in hope. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And I can't think of anything more biblical than taking something and serving your neighbor and helping the way that you did with your grandmother. You just saw a miracle. You saw four preachers preach, and we haven't even got to the 11 o'clock hour yet. I want you to go back and think of two things that I said in the introduction of this message and then apply that with these three points, and then we're going to get ready to take communion. Friends, Jesus is coming again to heal and make whole our broken world. Jesus is coming again to heal and make whole our broken world. You say, Pastor, but what about those who've already died? The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and as we Worship the Lord and remember Webb's life today. We're confident of this one thing, that he is in the presence of the Lord and that your loved ones who died in faith, they're in the presence of the Lord. And Revelation gives us a picture of the saints praying, some of them asking, how long, how long, O Lord? And maybe you're one of those or maybe you're watching online and you thought you've heard the story of Jesus' return all your life or maybe you've studied history and you said it's been 2,000 years. How long? How long before Christ comes again? Or maybe like some, you've gotten older and you've just doubted the fact that Jesus is coming again. I don't understand God's timetable, but I understand that it's very different than yours and mine. The first advent, the Jewish people were praying, how long, how long? Some even began to doubt the coming of the Lord, so they, they began to live wickedly and to take advantage of one another. Kings, even prophets would take advantage of people. And so we need to be careful that we don't confuse our timetable with God's timetable. 
There's an old funny story that someone came to God and says, God, if a minute is like a, 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 if, if a day is like a thousand years to you, then maybe a million dollars is just like a penny to me. And he says, and God says, that's true. He says, well, could you give me a million dollars? And God said, in a minute, I'll give you a million dollars. You see, our time is not the same. If, you, if you're like me and you love to watch football, my wife has learned quickly when I say, wait a minute, there's only five more minutes left in this game before halftime, or there's only five more minutes left in this game before the quarter ends. And Becky says, five minutes in football is like another hour of watching. I need your help now. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, time is relative when it comes to the time on the clock for a football game. And time between us and eternity is relative. But Jesus Christ is coming again. And when he comes, he's going to heal and he's going to fix this broken world that we live in. The Bible says the created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times of head. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. Are you anticipating the return of Jesus Christ today? If you are, give me a big amen this morning and let's praise him today. I'm going to ask those who are going to help me take communion this morning are going to be praying the Lord's Prayer gives us such a model. So Bill and Kim, Mike, if you would come on up. And a couple of, uh, Keith, where are you at? You're helping this morning. We're going to receive communion together. Some that I've asked are not able to be here because of the weather today. If you're watching online, we had our first big snowstorm in Michigan today. And um, I'm so thankful that you made it here. Come up on the platform with me this morning. And Keith, you're the first one up. So if you would come. Let me read you the Lord's Prayer this morning because I think this is a perfect prayer to pray for the return of the Lord. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. That's what Becky talked about in worship this morning. That we worship the Lord, not only with our words, but how we live our lives when we leave this church. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. That's what I have tried to kneel. And Christ is coming back, not only to redeem and to heal this broken planet, but Christ is returning. And in my spirit, in my soul, and this could be just me, because it could be another thousand years. I'm just going to be honest. This just could be me. But there's a sense the more I watch what's unfolding on our planet today, it's like I sense the angels getting ready. It's like I hear someone practicing on a trumpet in my soul sometimes. I'm constantly thinking more and more, he's coming again. He's coming again. Christmas has highlighted that for me this year. Being in the hospital praying with a family this week and weeping with them has highlighted that for me this week. We've had three men die that are part of this congregation this week. And it's just highlighted. This has been one of those intense weeks. 
not only of giving thanks, but recognizing how brief this life is and Jesus is coming again. And he's going to heal what's broken. But those who were waiting, the trumpet will sound. We which are alive and remain, the Bible says, we will be caught up with the Lord to meet him in the air. And then a period where God accomplishes what it is that he will accomplish for seven years upon this planet will take place. And then Christ will come again with all his saints. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Are you ready for heaven? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready for him to return? Are you ready to see every grave emptied? Are you ready to see every sick child healed? Are you ready to see racism done away with? Are you ready to see the nations healed and the implements of war turned into plowshares? It's going to be a wonderful planet when Jesus returns, that new heaven and that new earth. And then he tells us, forgive us of our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. When you pray, as Pastor Corey taught, daily we need to come to that place of repentance. Daily we need to come to that place of saying, God, forgive me. And at the same time, forgiving those who've sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. <laughs> in other words, God, I want to live in victory. I want to look to serve others and not be served. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Keith, would you come and pray, dear brother? Our Father, who art in heaven. Heavenly Father, I'm just so thankful that we can approach you as your children, Lord. You are our loving Father, and in you we can find peace, Hallelujah. comfort, hope, as we anticipate the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Lord, I pray that your kingdom will come soon. I pray that every one of us here, Lord, may we live with the same anticipation that the Apostle Paul had, looking for the return of Jesus Christ in the twinkling of an eye. We believe the promise that you have made that you will split the eastern sky and you will return for your people and you will heal this planet I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give us today. Lord, give us today our daily bread. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you that you are our provider. Hallelujah. And that you always meet every need, whether it's great or small, Lord. Hallelujah. May we continue to look to you as the source. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Forgive us of our sins. Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, mm. to pay a debt that we could never repay. Hallelujah. And Father, we ask you during this season where we talk of hope and of joy and of peace, Hallelujah. that you would just cause us to forgive those who have sinned against us. Mm that God, there would be no root of bitterness grow up in us, that we can truly experience what Christ came to bring, which is hope and joy and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him a hand of praise for his blood and for forgiving us of our sins this morning. Would you do that right now? Hallelujah. Bill. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the ability to determine good from evil. Yes. We thank you for your strength that you give us to fight off attacks from the devil. We ask that you keep us strong, continue, have your armor around us, protecting us as we fight his temptations. Lord, without your love. Hallelujah strength and guidance we would be overcome by our fear being without you in our lives we pray that you keep us safe from the coronaviruses and safer Amen. from all new and unidentified viruses that will become known in our future we continue to thank you for everyone that you have healed since these viruses have been yes. discovered the people that you've healed from cancer and all the healing you've done hallelujah, in this church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let us all continue to be a shining example to others Thank and you, let Jesus. them know you through our actions. Hallelujah. You, excuse me, maybe they discover your love and saving grace in their lives. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Now, Lord, we seal this prayer as you taught us. For thine is the kingdom. Thine is the glory. Thine is the power. Let us never doubt that. The kingdom, the glory, and the power, they all belong to you. And in the face of all that we face upon this planet right now, remind us, thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power, thine is the glory. Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come soon, Lord Jesus, we pray in your holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Corey is going to come and lead us in communion now. If you'll take your communion elements, thank you so much for helping us pray. And then after he prays, I want to walk you through what I'd like you to do this week as you prepare for Christmas. Pastor Corey. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to this earth. We thank you for his sacrifice. And Lord, as we hold this bread in our hands right now, God, we're reminded that this bread represents Jesus' body broken for us. And God, we say thank you. Thank you for his death. Thank you for his resurrection. Thank you that we can receive healing because of Jesus. Let's break the bread and partake together. Hallelujah. 
And Father, as we hold this cup in our hands right now, we're reminded that this cup represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us. Lord, the scriptures say that without the shedding of the blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. So Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us by taking on our sin. God, we thank you that we can be free. We thank you that we can be forgiven of all our sins, all our failures, all our mistakes because of Jesus' blood. And God, we thank you that you now call us friend. You loved us and we can love you now because of what Jesus did. Let's partake together. Father, we do thank you for all that you've done for us. God, we thank you for Jesus' death, his resurrection. But Lord, we also thank you for our blessed hope that one day he's coming back for us. And Father, I pray may we be found ready and prepared, living passionately for you and sharing our faith with others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? And just listen very carefully. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children hallelujah now if you love the return of Jesus that might not make you very happy but that's a really good point to get happy right there and clap your hands and praise the Lord that's a really good point to make you happy that's better than anything you're going to get at the restaurant or at the house today. That's a good place to get happy. So this week, I'd like you to take your Bibles, and in your outline, I've used the old soap Bible study method that we use here at Woodland, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And then I've given you five days of devotions to break this one chapter down. 
And I want you to read the scripture slowly, prayerfully. Then observe it. Write down what it's saying. Ask God to speak to your heart. Say, God, what are you saying to me through this passage? Ask God to speak to you personally and then write it down. And then take and just apply that to yourself. How are you going to live it out this week? How are you going to live it out with your family, in your job, as you prepare for Christmas? And then take a few moments and pray. I promise you this is a wonderful way to start your day. And if you miss a day, you've got Saturday and Sunday to catch up. So five days, let's apply it. And could I invite those of you that maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus this first Sunday of Advent. Christmas is much more than a rush through a shopping list. Christmas is much more than buying and giving presents. Christmas, you're why Christ came. I'm why Christ came, to save us from our sins so that we could live at home with him forevermore. And if you want to do that, would you just pray this prayer with me right now? I'm going to look you right in the eye and you pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to save me from my sin. Today I want to make a fresh start. Forgive me. Move into my life. Make me a brand new person. And may I live to see the coming of the Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make you abundantly joyful in this Christmas season. You're dismissed.